0: And week six, today, is give because you have received. I know you guys are super pumped to hear a sermon on giving. Uh, I'm glad I didn't tell you last week what we were doing. You might not be here. Um, and <laughs> um, so we're going to get started by getting our budgets out at this point. Uh, just doing some review. Just kidding. Sorry, Adam Jones. I know you'd love that. Um but I realize that unless uh, you're a, an accountant or a finance major, maybe the topic of giving is not what you're super excited for. But Adam Takeda, you're welcome. <laughs> and also, as pastors, it can be awkward for us to talk about giving because it can seem uh, self-serving uh, in, in some ways. And fortunately for me, I'm not paid by the church, so I don't have the awkwardness of talking about uh, you give to me. It's good for you. Um <laughs> But I'm honestly excited to talk about giving because I do believe it is good for us. It is an important way that we follow Jesus and that we love God and love other people. And um, I actually had a, a really bad experience at a different church um, one time where the pastor of the church actually staged a break-in to the church offices and broke into a safe and stole the offering money and like ran away to a different uh, state. It was like big news at the time. Yeah, yeah. And he actually got put in jail for a long time. He'd done some other stuff. And if you can imagine, this was a very uh, difficult situation for the church. We're just like, what do we do with this guy? Uh, He's a big celebrity pastor. Um, And I remember feeling like, man, this is, I need to get out of this place, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think probably none of you guys have had anything that traumatic. Some of you guys might maybe have had like issues with leaders, issues with trusting churches. And, Um, I want to say that unfortunate as as situations like that are, um, man, our giving is so important that we don't give up on giving to God's work um, because of of certain people. Um, And Jesus, full knowing that there were bad leaders in his day, talked about money uh, and giving and finances so much. He talked about it more than anything else that he talked about. His disciples were probably like, can we not have any more financial classes, Jesus? And it's because I think he realized that the way that we view our money is so different than the way that God views our money. And the way that we use our money is very different from how God intended for us to use our money. And in addition to that, because we use our money in a way that it was not designed, we often feel really worried about money. We feel anxious about money. Uh, We feel worried about not being able to get the things that are going to give us joy or contentment or security. And Jesus says that, actually, when we have a good view on money, we realize that it's God's money he's given to us to bless others. actually leads us to to have more joyful hearts and have more joy and contentment. And lastly, um, Jesus would use money kind of like a heart x-ray. So when people would come up to him and be like, I'm good. I've kept the law. I'm pretty much the most moral person you've ever met. Jesus would be like, show me your budget. And c- really quickly, they would realize, like, actually, my, uh, my budget, which reflects what I really love, you know, if your budget's like, you look at your budget, and this year, you spent 10 grand going to the movies or something, <laughs> uh, you'd be like, okay, I think actually what you love is entertainment, probably more than God. And Jesus would do this all the time. And so we're going to look at, um, go through four points today, which I think will help us get a better handle on why we give. And my points this morning are, the first one is, why does generosity make sense? Secondly, what keeps us from living generous lives? And third, what can set us free to become generous? And fourth, it's kind of like the application, where should our generosity flow? So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us real quick, and then we will jump into it. Um, Father in heaven... I pray that you would open up our hearts and make us able to to see the generosity that you have given towards us. And I pray that we would desire to be generous people um, like Jesus with our money and with all of our resources. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump into the, the first point, which is why does generosity make sense? And I think to really understand this point, it's helpful to go all the way back to the first page of the Bible, which is Genesis 1. Because to understand generosity, we have to understand who created everything and what he made it for, including us. And so we're going to take a look at Genesis 1 1 through 5. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. And Genesis 1 says this It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, the saw, saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning, one day. So this is a very famous passage of God creating something like light, which we all take for granted every day. We know none of us are thinking like, "Oh man, I'm so glad that it's not eternally dark today." And then after creating something uh, that we take for granted, it's like light. He created the sky, and he created uh, water and dry land on the third day. He created stars and planets. He created sea life in birds. And then on the sixth day, he created all of us. And then I really want, to, we're going to take a look at um, verses 27 and 31, because it makes really clear that he actually gave all these other things that he created to people, to us, the whole universe. He's like, this is for you guys, which is crazy. It says uh, in verse 27, so God created man in his own image, man and woman. And he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, this is the first thing he does. He makes them, blesses them. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God said, God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth. So I've given this to you. And every tree uh, whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Evening came, and then morning came, the sixth day. And so we see in the very beginning that God created everything. So he actually owns everything, but then he created people in his image to essentially do what he did. He's like, hey, go create more people and make things to bless them with, all right? And so Adam and Eve, pr- they pretty much, they were living their best life. These guys, they're living in paradise. Uh, essentially, is like Tory Pines on steroids. They're hanging out. They, they have their dream jobs. Their bosses actually get them. There's like no paperwork. There's no awful reports you have to do. Uh, their job description was, yeah, making babies and creating great culture, like music and cities, breakfast tacos, uh, steak, no, they didn't eat animals at that time, actually, so maybe, like, all vegetarian food, but the best vegetarian food you've <laughs> ever had in your life. There's no drama. There's no jealousy. They have a perfect marriage. They have a perfect relationship with God. They're perfectly happy. They literally have everything that they need. And um, like us, this did not last forever. This paradise did not last Forever. And so I'm going to jump into the second point, which is what keeps us from living generous lives. Because as we consider Adam and Eve and what happened with their fall, we can actually make a really close parallel to what happens with us um, in, in our generosity. So Adam and Eve had everything. They should be excited to be satisfied, excited to give and take care of other people. But they began uh, to start to think, hey, you know, maybe actually there's more. Because God had told them, hey, you can have everything except for this one tree with this one fruit. Don't eat it or you're going to die. Okay. And one day, uh, Satan the snake, as they call him, kind of comes over and says like, hey, you guys actually should have, should go eat that fruit. And then all of a sudden, it's like the whole garden that they have becomes meaningless in a way. Begin to just take it for granted and begin to focus on, fixate on this one thing, they think, man, if I could just have that, then I'll be happy. I think this is exactly what we do all the time. We forget about all the people and the relationships and the things that God owns and he's given to us for free, and begin to think, man, if I could just have this one thing, then I will be happy. It's so easy for us to forget that God created um, even like our skills and our minds, and the raw materials that we use to, to get the things that we have. And we should be so thankful for them. But rather, we start to think, man, if I could just have um, a house, or um, if I could just go shopping and buy this thing, then I'll be happy. And for me, I think even as a kid, I loved, like, saving things and, like, counting the things that I saved, my mom tells me a story that um, one Christmas she found me like putting these like Christmas cookies we used to make in this box with other Christmas cookies from like years of years ago that I'd been keeping <laughs> and saving just in case I really needed a cookie at some time. But I, <laughs> I was so good at, at saving and uh, denying eating them that they just sat there and got rotten essentially. She's like, I'm throwing these away. <laughs> and so um, for me, and maybe for some of you guys, you tend to uh, desire to save more than you desire to, to spend and buy stuff. And culturally, that's more okay, right? It's like if you go and look at read a financial book, there's like save, 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 retire, retire, retire. But actually, in God's mind, what you save is just another possession. What he looks at is like, are you being generous? Are you giving to others? Or are you not? Are you spending on stuff? Or are you saving everything? And maybe, um, maybe you're not like me, you're not like a weird, I love to like save, and it's hard for me to spend money on fun stuff, it's like really weird, I know. Uh, maybe for you guys, it's like, yeah, you wanna go on that vacation, or eat at the coolest restaurant, uh, or have the best furniture. So people come over like, you have the best furniture, I love this. Or maybe you're like so happy with your iPhone until you see your friend's iPhone 11 Max, and you're like, it has three cameras, mine only has two. I never knew I needed three cameras, but now I know I need three cameras. And so you get it, and then you're like, wait, it has three cameras, has AI, but it has no headphone jack. So now I need the AirPods, and you get those for Christmas. And after I get those, I realize, man, my budget is completely blown. And actually, I can't give money to the church because I don't have any left. And all I do is spend money on things that I actually needed. You know, none of these things are wants, these are all needs. And so I, I think we all tend to do this. We, man, we see things people have. We feel like we should have them as well. If we don't have them, we're not going to be happy. But we get them, and then we, we up our standard of living, so we never actually quite have enough money to buy what we want. And we go into debt this way as well. And I want to say that, man, wanting these things isn't wrong. I'm not pushing us towards asceticism, or it's called the poverty gospel, which is like not having things makes you good. No, that's not, that's not the case either. God does want us to enjoy our stuff, but he doesn't want us to find the joy and contentment that only he can give us in our things. Does that make sense? Or in our savings. We can't find even security in those things. We can only find them in him because that's what he built us for. Um, the author of Paul Tripp, he puts it this way. This is a really helpful quote. He says, uh, We don't seem to realize How much of our time and energy is spent gaining, maintaining, protecting, repairing, and enjoying the physical stuff of this earth? We don't seem to grasp how many hopes and dreams, sadnesses, and disappointments are attached to money and things. We fail to see how much we struggle with greed, entitlement, envy, and covetousness, which is like wanting other people's stuff. We don't see how much a lack of money or desired thing causes us to doubt the goodness of God. So you're not giving me what I want. And because of this, we don't seem to realize that we essentially have to switch kings as we gather for corporate worship (laughs) every week. It's like a spiritual bomb dropped in the middle of our comfortable, materialistic lives. It's the bottom line. You cannot serve both God and money. There is no compromise, there is no room for making deals. The exclusivity of Christ's statement should be a source of conviction for us all. It surely gives me pause even as I write these words. And I think this was really convicting because it's so easy for us to minimize our own um, desire to to buy and, and to spend our way to happiness. And to look at people who are like the rich billionaires uh, like Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, and be like, you should, like, give more. You know, you're giving, like, 1% of your income. What's wrong with you? But according to God, we, all of us, essentially do the same thing. And Romans 2 actually says whatever we judge people for, we're actually doing the same thing. Think about that before you go to a conflict meeting. And the reality is that uh, Jesus, he tells these parables where he's like, you guys are all, like, um, like employees, who've taken your boss's money and didn't use it to go on a shopping spree at Fashion Valley or put it into your 401k and thought he wouldn't notice. (laughs) That's what we're all like. Because Jesus says, like, hey, if you have two of something, give one. If you have two jackets, give one to someone who needs one. And so I think whatever whatever amount God has entrusted us with, with that amount we're called to give and to take care of others. And so like a, a good boss or a good judge, God's not just letting us get off for this. I think when it's our own things, we're like, you just let it slide, right, God? But when you, we look at somebody like that pastor that ripped off the church, we're like, judge that guy, you know? It's like, all right, this guy's going to jail, thank God, with us. And we're like, no, it's okay. I'm actually pretty good. And so we essentially have this debt. The Bible says that we have this, um, we're spiritually bankrupt. We have this debt to God that we are not able to pay on our own. It's so big. And this debt has separated us from God because he is perfect and he is a judge and he's generous. And he's created us to show people what he's like. and We've done that very badly. Generosity is not something people are thinking about when they're like, oh, the church, they're so generous. They're just giving me money all the time, unfortunately. And so one of the things I think we try to do to fix this problem is we're like, okay, so what does I have to give? And people would come up to ask Jesus this all the time, and people ask me this all the time. They're like, what percentage am I su- supposed to give? And there's this story about this guy who comes up to Jesus, this rich man, he's like, what must I do to inherit eternal life, Jesus? What, what must thou do? He's speaking King James English. <laughs> and Jesus is like, oh, just follow the rules. He's like, I've done that since I was born, uh, which is not true if you've ever seen any kids. <laughs> and then Jesus says, oh, well, there's one other thing. Just give away everything you have to the poor, and then you'll be perfect. And he's like, he just walks away s- grieved. He's just can't do it because he loves this stuff too much. And so the answer to Jesus' question, the answer Jesus gives the question of like, how much do I have to give to be good is everything. 100%. Todos. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And it's more than we can actually do. Jesus is saying that it's like trying to give back to God enough. It's like a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle. It's just not going to fit. But what's impossible with man is actually possible with God. So we're going to look at um, my third point, which is what can set us free to become generous people. We're going to look at uh, Colossians 2.13, which deals with the exact problem of us having a debt to God that we cannot pay. It says, And when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, So essentially you were, like, dead to God, unable to do anything uh, good. He made you alive. Jesus made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And so if your faith is in Jesus, he has actually erased your debt. You can't give enough to be good, and you actually are under no obligation to give to be good anymore. You now have the record of Jesus. If any of you guys have ever, like, bought a car or a house, you know that you get this, like, loan doc telling you how much you owe and how you have to pay it for X number of years. And it's kind of an awful thing to have, and people have, like, parties when they burn them or, or they pay them off, right? Or you pay off your credit card, credit card bill. And essentially, Jesus is saying that when he died on the cross, his blood paid that debt, and he left that certificate hanging there on the cross. And so this is such, such good news for us, if you have your faith in Jesus. And so we actually aren't under, under obligation to, like, give 10% anymore, like they were in the Old Testament, because Jesus gave everything. And I think that if we really believe this, that we were spiritually bankrupt, that we we're going to end up in jail for our debt that was so bad. And that God, instead of um, punishing us, he sent Jesus to pay our debt for us. And not, didn't just pay our debt, he actually um, has adopted us into his family and given us an inheritance, a heavenly inheritance, an eternal life. They're actually gonna have like stuff in heaven uh, because of what Jesus did when all we deserved was a debt collector to come threaten us. We should be so grateful for receiving this gift. Far more grateful than uh, if someone came and like paid off your mortgage, which would be pretty awesome. And so we no longer need to be trying to um, buy things to be happy or to save a certain amount in order to to feel like uh, secure or comfortable. Um, as Kanye West says, we can put the apple back on the tree because we got everything we need. <laughs> we should be amazed When Jesus approached the, uh, the tax collector, Zacchaeus, you guys remember how he reacted? Uh, Jesus calls him down from the tree. And Zacchaeus is somebody who knows, like, I've messed up. I am not good enough to have Jesus in my house. We should all feel that way. And then once Jesus comes to eat with him, he, uh, his gratitude overflows into giving. He gives away half of his things to the poor. And he was a very rich person. And I think in the same way, when we uh, realize like I've been given so much more than I need, we actually want to like give to others. We we desire to share. Tim Keller, uh, Pastor Tim Keller, he says this. He says, "The grace of God makes Christ so precious to us that our possessions, our time, our money have all become eternally and utterly expendable." Man, do you feel that way about the grace of God? For you. Because if you do, I want to call you guys to make this, it's like a paradigm shift in your mind from your money existing to make you happy to your money existing to bless other people primarily. We have to make this switch. We see that in early church, this is the switch that they made. And so let's talk more about an application. Let's look at uh, my fourth point, which is where should our generosity flow? So if you are a Christian and you're like, man, I do want to give generously, what do we give to? Well, in the New Testament, we see three key areas that people started giving to out of the overflow of God's generosity to them. So these three things that people gave to and that actually our church budget primarily gives to as well is these three. Local gospel ministry, which is kind of the primary one. External gospel projects and gospel community needs. So this first one, local gospel ministry. This is essentially what we're doing right now. Let's read, um, to get an idea about this, let's read 1 Timothy 5.17 and 18. This is Paul writing to, to Timothy. He says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And so, this is one of those verses that's really awkward for pastors to teach on, especially paid pastors. Um, but I think that I always want to um, kind of remind you guys like, so much of what uh, we love about the church comes from supporting paid elders, paid pastors to do ministry. Because when we have pastors who are able to, uh, to minister to us, they are freed up to create so many cool cultures in the church that we enjoy. You probably have lots of great relationships in this church with people that maybe they you they're better relationships than you experience anywhere else. And part of that is because of the gospel-centered culture of the church. Um, maybe you've enjoyed an amazing uh, gospel community that's been life-changing for you. I definitely have. Maybe you built great relationships there, maybe even marriages, but no promises on that. <laughs> Hopefully, um, you've been built up by the Sunday teaching, and um, you've, been gro- you've been grown through uh, being equipped to make disciples. Hopefully, uh, you've grown through worshiping God on Sunday mornings. Um, and also, something else, too, is that we pastors focus a lot on pastoral care, on meeting with people. Um, whether it's uh, hard times or just there's different things that they need to grow in and th- there has been like a lot of um, urgently painful situations that um, pastors have dealt with here that like could really wreck the church honestly that a lot of you guys just don't even have to hear about or have to deal with um, because when you have like competent pastoral leaders then um, those things can get taken care of in a lot more healthy of a way than they would otherwise. And so also, if you want to learn more about um, the Budget Restored Church, which is pretty simple, we're going to be walking through it at the membership night. So go to membership night, February 16th, and um, we're always happy to talk more about that or, or go over it with you guys in person as well. And secondly, um, in addition to uh, paid elders and local ministry, we also have external gospel projects. So if you've been around uh, much, you know that we every year we take a big offering for what's called Give Love, which is such a cool thing, and it's like we collect an offering and then we give it to some kind of project that's outside of the church for s- to fund some kind of need. And actually, I wrote out a list of all the different things we've given money to, which is pretty exciting. So the first year when we were at back at Adams Elementary School, we raised. to buy toys for the kids at that school, which is so cool, especially for a first-year church plant. Like, way to go, you guys. By the way, like, there's a lot of generosity happening in this church, and so I'm just kind of affirming that right now. Um, Secondly, we've given, we gave $20,000, half of it to South Bay, half of it to Zoe International to fight sex trafficking. That was the the second year, and we, we planted Restored South Bay. Uh, the third year, we gave $5,000 to um, Claude's Redeemer Church in Boston to help that get started. The fourth year, we gave $35,000 to Restore LA to plant that church. Way to go. Uh, the fifth, and by the way, this is just Uptown's giving. This is not all the restored churches uh, together. Um, fifth year, $40,000 to start Temecula. Sixth year, $70,000 to send Kai and Kyle to Northern Africa. Seventh year, we gave $4,000 for a Sri Lankan family who was affected by the bombing. And uh, last year, we gave $25,000 to Anthem Denver to help Josh get his church started. So overall, uh, this little church has given away over $210,000 to outside stuff, which is crazy. So way to go. Yeah. And we have like a really, really exciting project also coming up this year. Um, that I wish I had time to tell you about, but you have to go to membership night <laughs> to, to hear about what we're doing. I'm sorry, I really wish I could talk about it. But it really is going to be one of the best ever. Um, lastly, is we give towards gospel community needs. And so I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 8, 12, and 15. Uh, Paul writes, For if the earnestness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So what you give is not about a dollar amount. It's about what you have. It's about your heart. It's, It's not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you. It's a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. And so Paul is saying here that if there's someone uh, in your gospel community or in the church and you see a need and you have something that could fill that need, it's like take the initiative to like help that person out. It's like when I see my kids and one of them has like two toys and the other is zero. I'm like, hey, you should share. Then you could like play together. It's way more fun for everybody. And I've actually, this, this last round in my gospel community, um, uh, Nicole um, Nicole Molyneux and Danielle, they realized, they were talking to Sam Brown, and Sam's like, yeah, our car just broke, it sucks, we're like, we don't know how we're going to take our kids to school. And I'm like, actually, like, we have two cars, and we don't really need one of them, so could we give you our car? Which is such a crazy thing that doesn't really happen outside of the church family but it makes sense. If this really is your family and God's given you stuff to bless others with, that should be like something that we want to do. Uh, and we've seen people in gospel communities paying off each other's debt. We've seen people buying groceries, paying for therapy, medical bills, people staying at each other's houses. And this really um, should be l- like, um, like Adam was saying, it should be a witness to the world. And people are like, what? Someone's letting you stay at their house for free? They're They're buying you, like, a bicycle or car. That should be, like, really confusing to people. And also, more than just celebrating or more than just covering needs, we all should be celebrating together and having fun, right? It's like a lot of what Jesus did was enjoying good things with people. So instead of, like, just spending money on things for us to enjoy, I think spending money on, like, celebrating people's birthdays or really, like, upping the ante on GC dinner and parties and stuff like that is like a really good use, actually, of of funds to celebrate what God has done, to celebrate the gospel. And sometimes when there's needs that are beyond what a GC can cover, like if someone has some wild medical bill or an ongoing thing, uh, the GC leaders will talk also to the church, talk to the elders, and we have a benevolence fund that we use to meet people's needs as well. And actually, just in January, um, the church... Uh, use over $4,000 to support people's needs because um, we had a lot of emergency stuff come up that people really needed help with. And so that's another cool way that we get to care for each other. And actually, I think it'd be cool to have like a little bit of audience participation. And I want you to think for a second about if, uh, if somebody or the church itself, somebody in the church or the church has given you uh, money or a possession that you could use, or uh, just let you stay with them for free. Um, I think it would be really cool just to honor God by, like, sh- standing up to you in a second. Um, just to tell God, like, man, I'm so grateful for what you've done here through these people. And I want to encourage people to, like, keep doing the same thing and see, like, what God has done. And so I would love for it if you could just stand up real quick. If the church has given you something, um, financial or, or whatever, I'd love to just pray for you. So, anybody? few people? All right. It's so cool. This is like a third of the people. Um, I, I'd love to pray for you guys real quick. Um, man, Jesus, I'm so grateful um, just for the generosity that you have brought about um, for these people that don't just receive but like give and give to each other and have given um, to the church. And I'm so grateful that you really don't leave us as orphans, but you actually love us through Um, the members of this church, and you take care of us tangibly. God, we appreciate you so much. Amen. Thanks so much, you guys. You can sit down. And so, in closing, I want to encourage you guys to use whatever it is that God has given you to lavishly bless the people around you. Because this is the pattern that Jesus set out for us. He was rich, but he came poor, so that while so that us in our poverty could become rich. And so I want to actually pose two questions to you as we close. The first one is, is your generosity sacrificial? In that, does it reflect the sacrificial love of Jesus? And secondly, do you save way more than you give each month? Or are you spending more on things that are trivial than you give each month? And so I'd love for us to kind of think about that as we as we um, worship God, and also um, we have communion available on the sides. If you're a follower of Jesus and you want to celebrate what Jesus has done for you in redeeming you and paying your debt, then um, please come up and take communion. So thank you.